Welcome to the Where Humanity Meets Technology podcast, where we talk to business leaders about cybersecurity, data management, and advanced digital solutions to provide strategies to increase the profitability of your company. Now, here's your host, Maurice Hamilton, the CEO of Infinivate Consulting Services. Hello, everyone, and welcome to our Infinivate podcast that we call Where Humanity Meets Technology. This is a podcast show where I interview founders, CEOs, CIOs, CTOs, and business leaders to discuss real-life solutions of humanity utilizing technology for the betterment of their organizations and for the betterment of mankind. Topics vary from data management, cybersecurity, custom software development, and digital solutions. We also discuss trends in technology, such as the use of artificial intelligence, robotics, decentralized finance, cryptography, and blockchain. I'm your host, Maurice Hamilton, and I have been in this industry for many, many years now, and I've witnessed many changes over those years and changes in technologies, and I really believe in infinite innovation. So thank you. Just to let you guys know that these podcasts are unique, and we actually want to actually hear different perspectives from different people in different vertical markets. And I really enjoy the conversations. I hope that you enjoy the conversations as well. Today, we have a unique guest, and we actually want to introduce everyone to Ann Chang. And she is the founder of Supercharged Labs. And also, you are a professor at the university and was a King Mankrut, Thailand, correct? Make sure I say it right. That's right. And you're that also- That's right. It's called the King Mankrut Institute of Technology in Lat Krabang. Okay, awesome. And you're also with Venn Capital, and you're also a strategic advisor with AI Mexico. And I'll ask you maybe a question if you can actually tell us what you do there, because I I caught that AI in Mexico, and I read a little bit about that. That was very interesting. So welcome to the show, Anne, and uh, we're really happy to have you here today. Absolutely. Thanks for having me. Good, good, good. So I'd like to uh, begin and ask you a question and what I call a, a genesis question. And when I say genesis question, because I'm going to go back to the beginning, what did you see in the marketplace that prompted you or inspired you to go out and start Supercharge Lab? So thanks for having me once again, Marissa. Uh, it's such a pleasure to be here. So it's really fascinating that you use the word genesis because really it started with this idea that we could push humanity forward. And this is the same reason why I decided to come on this show. How can we use a whole bunch of data to help people, to to help us understand what makes people perform specific actions or behaviors? So by understanding the cognitive triggers to our behavior, we thought, if I could understand why you purchase, I literally could sell you anything. Or if I understood what could inspire you, I could encourage you to work harder or become more productive or just be at the top of your game. So that kind of uh, created supercharged lab. The word supercharge was literally, how can I supercharge your performance through data-driven experimentation, which is the reason why we came up with supercharged lab. Wow, that's awesome. And then when I was reading the information on Supercharge, and it, and it mentioned something about segment sales. And so the people with segment sales, those are your clients, correct? They are our clients. A lot of people who became our clients became our clients through segment sales. And we do have clients who use segment sales to acquire new clients as well. 
Okay. So I want to see if I can understand this because it, it was really inspiring to, to, to read this information here. I'm one of those people who actually went out there. I purchased the ads for some of the different platforms that are there. And then I actually go back and I don't like to use that phrase, but I want to say it. You just throw it in and see what sticks. And you try your A-B marketing, you try the different testing, and, and it comes back and you look at the information one month or two months and everyone says, give it four months, give it six months, give it a, so, a period of time. But you go back and look after that three months, four months, and when a substantial amount of time has gone by and you look at the ROI that you're receiving on those when you try that kind of approach. And it's, a lot of times, at least in my experience, a lot of people I know, it doesn't work. So when you look at that, when you actually try to apply what you guys apply, what are some of the profound gadgets or takeaways that you can say that we found this to be much better because we can actually pinpoint those results? Well, I think you might be referring to Sigmund as a full product. So Sigmund yeah. is our product brand. Sigmund Sales is really a revenue generation solution or a lead generation solution. Mm-hmm. However, Sigmund Marketing is a suite of solutions that fall under the cognitive AI marketing suite. So we do everything from your SEO to your content generation, whether it's top of the funnel content to conversion, white papers and stuff like that. We do your marketing strategy. We can literally create hundreds of pages on a new website in seconds. We can literally, you know, you submit a sitemap and it propagates a multitude of pages. We also do performance marketing. And I think a lot of people have this misconception that performance marketing is, you know, I give a dollar and I'll figure out whether I get that back. And that's the problem with people today is that 26% of all dollars spent on marketing and advertising today are totally wasted. Zero outcome. Nobody knows what go- what happens to it. And we call it the black hole of marketing for a big reason because every- anything that goes in there doesn't come out. So what we created was a way to do mini experimentation. Yes, you're right. A-B testing works. But what if I could launch 80 experiments against one control at a given time? That would cut down the entire amount of time required to understand what sticks. So instead of sticking two experiments at one time, you can stick 80 at the same time. So that's kind of what Sigmund Optimizer does. The Optimizer creates multiple campaigns. We call it multivariate marketing or marketing mixed modeling. And we use data models to essentially test your marketing outcomes. Okay. And the data models. So the data models are that you use, they actually look at the the independent and the dependent relationships between the different variant variables, right? And then you look at the coefficients. I'm sure it's a lot more than that. Can you explain us to us a little bit about how those data models actually work from a high level? Sure. So I think when we look at multivariate marketing and some of these data models, when it comes to marketing, so marketing has its own set of data scientific models, which are very different from what we AI data scientists are used to. You look at, you know, random forest, naive Bayesian, KNN, RNN, CNN, all the neural networks and all of that kind of models. Now, a marketer, well, they've got to rename it into a marketing term, right? So mm-hmm. they've got multivariate market uh, modeling. They've got 
marketing mix modeling. They've got a variety of tests and you can read more about it. If you're very interested, you can Google what marketing mix modeling is, how you look at incrementality. It's not just what works, but what gives you the incremental push that drives the outcome. So these are some models that we can play around with and we've done before using our data modeling for our AI marketing solutions. Okay. And is the, the is that the um and I I don't want to change the channels a little bit, but I remember the the Sigma sales, is that the seven model, seven, what but the uh, there were seven like steps in a process? Not not uh, that is Sigma marketing. Sig- that's Sigma marketing, okay. And that's the one that had the seven where you actually is that the one that looks at like the psychology, the look look at a pedagogical, you look at all the different the different areas. And that when you actually go back and say, let's look at these different areas, let's interpret what that information is saying and how do we apply it, right? Is that what that, that does? Exactly. So what it does, the process of segment marketing starts with the marketing strategy. And it's a data-backed marketing strategy. It not only looks at the traffic, it looks at the traffic that monetizes, it looks at where the money is. And mm-hmm. then it takes your website, it looks at all these variables and benchmarks them against your competitors, whether your competitor is using a paid strategy, whether it's working, whether it's not. For example, we had a client today who talked to me and he said to me, hey, listen, Anne, you know, I, I, I found that, you know, this client is using a really, really good paid strategy and it accounts for 34% of his revenues today online. But look at the big picture. It literally is, you know, it accounts for 34%, but that 34% of very little is not a lot, right? So we put everything into context. So we start with the marketing strategy. We then plug it into our profiling engine. It then tells me the psychological profiles, the brand voice that would resonate. Then from there, we talk about generating content, whether the content be social, technical, or, you know, whatever resonates with your clients. We also do your paid advertising as well as your search engine optimization. And we finally are able to create the right landing pages and optimize your digital presence for you. Now, this is always a work in progress because that those seven steps that I just named, well, obviously it's only seven. And if you know the world of marketing, there are hundreds of steps in getting things right. Wow, that's that's very interesting. I remember I read something on the uh, on your website. It was talking about the uh, the P's, the four P's, the four P's. I remember many years ago when I learned about that, it was actually price, promotion, place, and people. I think that's what it was. Now I can imagine that that's probably expanded so much beyond that particular point. You know, when you look at that part of the marketing. So you mentioned that it actually takes a look at like the competitors information. So, and it's actually, when you mentioned about creating like SEO, creating your landing pages and actually saying, here's what we need to do as far as the content, this is what it looks needs to look like. So it's really kind of like taking a look at your, your nearest competitors and saying, okay, this is what they're doing. This is what their, their numbers will probably retrieve showing in that particular manner. So you look at that and say, how could we be just as effective and even more effective than what they're doing based off of what they're doing? Is, am I saying that correctly? Yeah, well, we, we okay. consider their strategies and mm-hmm. we say, if it works for them, great. Will it work for us? We look at literally the context 
do we really want to be like them or are they so far out of our market that they're really not not truly our competitors so we we give a kind of a single source of truth to the client so they can see this is what the data says this is how we've inter- interpreted it this is the actionable steps that you can take to improve your outcomes let us know if you'd like us to help you with that okay Thank you for explaining this now, because I look at this information, I read it, and uh, you're making it make it understandable the way you're explaining it. So thank you for doing that. So how about the like algorithms? Do you guys actually go back and look at different algorithms out there, create any kind of algorithms when you actually putting the marketing plan together? Do you do anything like that? Yeah, for sure. So we do a lot of uh, algorithm studies. We study the Google algorithm. I I do work a lot with the Google User Research Council. So mm-hmm. I participate in several user research interviews quite significantly. We also look at the recent algorithm that Google released. It's called the Helpful Content Algorithm. And that's really going to change the way we create content for, for our clients. So we always have to be ahead of the game when it comes to generating new content. Okay. All right. Let me ask you one more question about the uh, the marketing piece of it, because you're, you're doing a fantastic job explaining this to me. When I look at companies like LinkedIn and Instagram and Google, do you actually apply any kind of special techniques or look at any kind of special algorithms when you're working with those particular platforms? Like, for example, my business is technology. So I would use like LinkedIn when we actually do our advertising. So do you actually look at that and say, based off of your business, Maurice, we recommend that you try these algorithms or try these particular strategies for LinkedIn. Is that how you do it? You look at the different marketing that information comes back and tells you what the AI, what to do and what not to do? Yes and no. I will say it depends on the context, right? So we've seen some clients who are operating in, say, Southeast Asia or in Europe. So the the way people behave in in Southeast Asia, they do a lot of social selling. They do social commerce. They literally buy houses or buildings on chat. I kid you not, you know. So yeah. it's 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 really about the context. And the data can give you one picture, but understanding the context is a totally different thing altogether. Okay. And you wrote an article recently about the when you actually understanding and you were talking about early adoption. You mentioned that. And you said you need to go back and actually understand what happened early on. And you mentioned about some people actually go back and they may have like paralysis from analysis. And can you actually tell me a little bit, like a really quick summary of that? I thought that article was pretty interesting. Yeah, for sure. I think, you know, one of the things about being an entrepreneur is that you're often trying to figure out what works. And I think one of the biggest things that we we fail to do is that there's so many things to run after. There's a hustle, you know, a lot of people, they've got to balance a whole bunch of different things. And Mm -hmm. if we overanalyze the data and we lose touch with what's true, data is one picture, one side of things. It can give you a good picture, but it's only one picture. And there are many other things that you should consider. So I always say that it's insufficient to just use data. Data Mm -hmm. is great, but you need to consider, you know, the context, the behavior of the people around you. And there's just so many things that need to take place before you you can figure out the full picture. And maybe you'll never do it get there, you know, and it's perfectly okay. Okay. And that's when we talk about that chasm with the divide there. 
you know, how you have to bring that all together because you have to look at it from different angles. There's more than just, just that data, right? You have to look exactly. at it. Okay. That makes sense. Okay. So changing channels just a little bit here, your AI in Mexico, can you, I know that's, uh, I think you're a part of the board, right? You're one of the advisors on the board. Can you tell us a little bit about that and your role there? Yeah, I would love to give a quick plug to a couple of the AI organizations that I'm affiliated with. So AI Mexico is one of them. Um, mm-hmm. So Adrian from AI Mexico, which is now part of the AI Center out in California. So this is uh, his baby. It's a gateway to artificial intelligence education across Latin America, helping American businesses to leverage on lower cost developers out in Mexico and the rest of Latin America to, to create a community around artificial intelligence. But not only that, more importantly, is the fact that AI Mexico does a lot of work in ethical AI. So there is this fear of AI becoming singularity, reaching singularity, right? So mm-hmm. Adrian and his team have always said that, well, it's inevitable, but the question is, can we prevent it from being evil? And I think we we definitely can. Another quick plug to AI Partnerships Core out in Toronto and across the US. I am one of the affiliates and I also run their podcast. They're a group of 150 elite artificial intelligence organizations across North America. Wow, impressive. Excellent. Excellent. So are you are you still teaching? You're still a professor at the university right now, and you're teaching AI marketing? I am teaching a whole bunch of different subjects. Um, it's a, another way of giving back to society, really. If we can spread the news that, you know, artificial intelligence can be used for good, in and, and really all technology can be used for good, it's just really to give it a moral compass. So I'm hoping to inspire the next generation of technical entrepreneurs. Yes. Okay. So, and uh, I know that uh, I saw a I read an article. It's probably a few months now that Google actually has artificial intelligence now. That and they did you read the article where they said that the, it can actually think now, starting to have feelings, you know, mm-hmm. and and those, so that's interesting to see that 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 AI is really starting to come into that particular level. But I think you were spot on when you said that we need to make sure that it's all good, you know, that we can use it for the betterment of mankind in that particular manner because it has so many different uses there and that and that, that we can use it for. Absolutely. Yep. Absolutely. And then um so when you think about AI right now, and I think this is kind of like precludes what you just mentioned before. Where do you see AI being applied in the next uh, one to three years and how we can actually just help uh, our society? I mean, there are so many different elements that we can apply AI to. What are your thoughts on AI in general for the, for the whole globe? Well, quick plug for Atlas Capital out in Bangkok, Thailand. I am part of the advisory board as well. And Atlas Capital is a climate change fund. And I think artificial intelligence has this pressing an urgent need to save our planet. We only have one planet. Yes, we say we're going to move to Mars. Good luck with that. The honest truth is, are we going to be there soon enough before, as a species, we are wiping ourselves out? Are we going to literally create our new, our own destruction? And how can AI prevent the destruction of humanity? Um, and, and, and I can go on for hours about the fact that, you know, throughout history, civilization has been destroyed when they got too greedy, when they got too advanced and they got too, well, lazy to, 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 to be good. 
So can AI prevent it? Well, the question is, can it not? Can we prevent ourselves from killing ourselves? And how do we use AI to prevent us from killing ourselves? So I think that's the first urgent need, I think, to save our planet, to save our humanity, to educate people that life could be better. And I think every single practitioner of artificial intelligence and premier frontier technologies should participate in saving our generations. I agree. Thank you. This information, this is really good. And I really want to thank you for your time here. This has been very insightful, very good information. And and I know we talked about the uh, humanity. We talked about the globe a little bit, but and but I have to go back and look at that, what you guys are doing with the marketing element of it and, and actually and helping. And I guess there are so many different ways that you can actually apply AI. And it's just not marketing, but there's so many other different variations of it. And I think that the more and more we progress, the more and more we will use AI. That's my own personal opinion for different applications in, uh, in different areas in our lives. So thank you for that. Thanks for having me, Morris. Thanks for listening. If you've enjoyed this episode and you'd like to help support the podcast, please share it with others, post about it on social media, or leave a rating and review. To catch all the latest from your host, connect with Maurice on LinkedIn at Maurice Hamilton. Thanks again, and we'll see you next time.